0: Welcome to the Obstacle Races New Zealand podcast. Um, I'm Max Bell, and I'm here with Stephen. Hey, how are we all? And on this episode, we have an interview with Martin McConey, who is the event organizer of the Wanaka Dash. Uh, so we talk with him about the Wanaka Dash and you know what to expect from that event, and about his his background, his athletic background, and how he got into OCR, different ra- races he's running, and just just some random. Chit-chat as well get about different aspects of OCR in, in, in New Zealand and other events and thoughts about Tough Mudder and Spartan and these sort of things and some other New Zealand events. And, yeah, interesting chat.
1: It is. And he talks about uh, NZOSA as well. He is uh, part of the team there as well. So And he also owns the Titans Gym uh, in Monica. So So, yeah, it was a very interesting chat with him.
0: Yeah, I think Multi-Peak Fitness Wanaka might is be the name of multi- his gym. Um, that was one thing we asked me to ask him about, was how Wanaka Titans fits into that. Because I think oh, Wanaka so Titans is the name of it, the OCR club. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, yeah. I think so. I had it on my list to ask him, but we forgot. Maybe we should follow up in a future episode. Maybe uh,
1: we will,
0: yes. So I think Multi-Peak Fitness is the gym. Wanaka gym. Titans is an OCR club. And then Wanaka Dash is the event. Uh, OK. So
1: we should clarify that because I actually thought his gym was the Titans. I didn't know about Peaks. But then these websites. I'm only going on what his website is for the Dash, which is Titans or a link, Titans. So. Yes.
0: We'll find out. All
1: right. What else has been happening in uh, sunny, windy, Wellington in the last few days?
0: Not uh, Not much normal normal Um, Normal, yeah yeah, pretty crazy weather pouring down the start of the week and then really sunny on friday yeah
1: we had we had a nice friday and saturday um it is raining outside now in auckland uh but we're at level three lockdown so we're still stuck home so to speak so it's no big deal
0: yeah damn well i guess i guess some news with myself personally i um Went in on Friday, got some skin, um, part, part of my forehead, they could potentially be oh, okay. skin cancer, it's bad news, yep. but good news, catch it early, so they uh, did a biopsy, I just have yep. two stitches, so because of that um, I was planning to go for a run, but I'm not allowed to run this weekend, just keep sweat and water off the stitches, um, mm. yeah, I get back into it next week, next week. running again and oh, hopefully it's not, it's skin cancer. <laughs> and hopefully yes. Yeah. So
1: that'll take a few days or a week or so before you get the results Matt?
0: Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Um, so hopefully it's not. But if it is, it's early, which is the best case scenario. You catch it early and cut it out. It doesn't have any long-term effects on your health.
1: No, no. no. My sister-in-law just had her lymph nodes cut out because of the same thing. And no. hopefully that's uh, all going to turn out. All turn out good too. But yes, one more week of lockdown, and hopefully then we'll be out to get out and do a bit more running in the running in the uh, trails around Auckland. I'm uh, really bored with the, the roads and the parks because everyone's out there and it's packed when the weather's nice. That is,
0: is that what the, the timeline is? One more week is.
1: Ah, uh, well, they make a call to Monday week, I think, um, for the whole country. Whether you guys go down to one and we go down to two, or what happens. Um, it's pretty sure it's about the third or fourth of uh, October. Fingers crossed. Okay. Um, do you know of any events uh, that have been cancelled recently in uh, in Auckland, or uh, sorry, in New Zealand, I should say?
0: Because I think Spartan has moved again. Yeah, Spartan's postponed again. Um, we could easily talk a lot about that, and it'd be great to put a. Maybe a whole episode talking about the subject of spartan and their postponements um but they have let me bring up the news yeah so last podcast mm. we talked about upcoming events and we talked about spartan was scheduled for november and i think both you and i aren't really surprised that they didn't go ahead with their november date and i've postponed again yep. uh, so i've postponed to may yep. and They actually had to shift the date. They postponed to the 14th and 15th of May 2022, which is basically two years after their original announcement (laughs) of their event. Uh, This is the fourth time they've postponed the event. They've postponed for two years straight. Um, And they announced the event, and then it actually clashed with Ultimate Athlete, which was being held about 200k away uh, in Mount Maunganui. Um, So Spartan actually came out later that day and shifted their dates back a week. So now Spartan Auckland is being held on the, oh sorry, it was scheduled for the 21st, 22nd of May and they've shifted to the 14th and 15th of May. Um, Mm. And ultimately Monganui is being held on the 21st of May. Um, Which I think event clashes aren't too uncommon
1: no and um but, i know i'm watching your facebook uh, feed the other day I, I see you putting up a few there but that uh the date that these partners moved it to i've got two other events that were postponed this year and have been moved to that same weekend. so no.
2: i'm
1: either going to be very worn out on the 16th or i'm only going to do one and uh hopefully the others will give me a credit or something like that but
0: uh it's on the same yeah. The same date same as oh,
1: well, um, an athlete now. No, no, they're on the same day as they were the week before. There was a, a trail run and a um, ragoon that was moved from this year to next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got tentative dates of the 13th and 14th or 14th and 15th of
0: May. I think that's um, the thing with this climate for events, right? It's just everything's shifting around. It's so hard to find a weekend that's free, and even if you do, Events are gonna shift. <laughs> and they're gonna shift to your oh, day.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the thing with the Ultimate Athlete and Spartan clash though was that they're the same category of event. They're both obstacle races. races. Yeah. And they're both held close to each other. That they weren't both in Auckland, but they are drivable. So you're they're both competing for that Auckland audience.
1: Right
0: um, so it is it is an <laughs> awesome move that Spartan has realized that they were yeah, competing with another OCR event. And I think if you did hold hold two OCR events on the same date, that close to each other geographically, you're just going to divide the audiences. People are well, going to choose which one to enter. And that's
1: just a lot of people will be in the same boat as us. Like we, you've got tickets to Spartan, and I've got tickets to Spartan. So I don't have tickets for the new uh, UA one. So and then it's a well, do I put out more money for UA or do I just stick with what I've already got with Spartan and and go there? So.
0: Yeah, talking about that's the other part of this issue. <laughs> Spartan's postponement, part, I guess, first part of the issue was the clash of ultimate athlete. And the second part of the issue was Spartan's refund policy. Um, mm. But I, I could easily talk so much about that. But uh, Spartan has a n- notorious refund policy, to talk briefly about it now, um, where they don't offer refunds unless the event is cancelled. They don't offer refunds for postponements. Mm. However, Spartan Auckland has postponed continuously for two years straight. Um, so, like, at what point do they just need to cancel and then reschedule Spartan? Like, announce? Like, uh, I don't know if they're trying to avoid giving refunds, but it definitely appears like it from the outside that that they're postponed for two years, and it looks like they're trying to avoid refunding anyone. Um, but, but it could be. I mean, it's, it's also a matter of like. I mean, Spartan's got deals with Auckland Tourism, right, and the venue, and so it could yeah. be the same issue where if they cancel, it affects their contract with all their sponsors and their partners in Auckland. Um, so they have to keep yeah. phoning, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and
1: and that we did sort of touch on that with our t- discussion with Martin because he cancel he had to postpone or cancel his um, event last year, and um, the numbers are not looking good for this year. So if he does it again. But he only had resource consent to use that that area for three years. And uh, two of them have gone or used the first one. And then the next two have been postponed. So now he's in the quandary of does he have to go back and reapply or will he get them? And we'll cover that off when we chat to him in uh, in a little while. So, yeah, being an event organizer in a pandemic is uh, not something uh, for the faint hearted, I don't
0: think. No, no. Hopefully, everyone can get out there and support events, though. I mean, you event organizers are as a suffering, and, you know, if people sign up, sign up to Spartan, Northern Athlete, Wanaka Dash as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes, well, definitely the Wanaka Dash. Um, I think Martin's got to make a call within the next five to ten days about whether he's going to hold it or not. Uh, it's still a month away, but uh, the organisation to run an event like that does take a while. So I know he does say that he wants to make a decision by the
0: end of September. September, um, early October at the latest. Which is one reason why we've uh, reshuffled our podcast release schedule, actually. You and I have recorded some other interviews upcoming for the podcast that are exciting, but um, we know Martin needs to make a decision on his event coming up, so we've reshuffled them to release this one first so you guys can learn about the Wanaka Dash and see if you want to attend.
1: All right. um, Results. Do you
0: know any results? Do you want to bring any results up or? Yeah, we'll talk about it briefly um, before we cut to Martin's interview. But globally, the OCR World Championships and the Spartan North American Championships are taking place. Um, They are both on the same date as well, (laughs) which is both, both in the US. So that has divided the international and the US community. Um, but we have some results in already, even though the events <coughs> take place now, but we do have some results in for the OCR WC.
1: So for the uh, 3K pro women, uh, Lindsay Webster won that in 2051. Ida Mahilda Rubens Dengard is in second. Uh, Rose Wetzel was in third for the 3K, anyway. You
0: got the men's there? Yeah, for the men's, VJ Jones came in first in the 3K Pro Division. Uh, Ryan Kempson came in second, and Igor Belislov came in third. And my results must be different than yours. I don't have times written here.
1: Oh, I've got Hopefully the times. <laughs> oh, I clicked on the sort data page tab. Okay. And the 15k pro women, uh, was the, the same two one that first and second, Lindsay and Ida. was first and second, Lindsay was in one hour 56, Ida was two minutes behind, and then Chris Rod, Rodzlik, Rodsky. Rodsky came in uh, on uh, spot on two hours, and Rose Wetzel come fourth. So, uh, third and fourth swap places in the 15k women's.
0: Pro week, Nice. For the 15k pro men's division, it's similar sort of result as well as the, the 3k. Uh, but both Ryan Kempston and Igor Balaslov have managed to retain podiums. So Ryan Kempston came first place, Igor Balaslov came second, uh, VJ Jones got knocked out of the podium with the 15k, and instead Logan Broadbent has come third. Uh, do you, do you have the, the were, top three results? Do you have the, the full results? Where... Ryan, Ryan Kempston's time was
1: 135. That must have been very close. 135.29, and Igor was 135.58. So, like mm. well, 30 <laughs> seconds. And then 10 seconds later is Logan.
0: Oh, uh, that's Jesus. <laughs> that, that would have been exciting close. to watch. I'm mm. um, sorry, you asked for. Yeah, I only have the top three results. Uh, do you have the oh, full okay. list? it would be interesting to see where VJ Jones, as he finished he first in fifth. the three K. He came so fifth. He came
1: fifth in the 15 at one hour 39. So he was four minutes behind Ryan.
0: Ah.
1: And, uh, and I'll throw out one of the uh, Joel Poluski from uh, Australia coming in at 22nd. Uh, so, but all the rest were um, mostly, nearly all North Americans um argentina canada there's a, a Swiss one there but there yeah, that's about it
0: nice that's just the pro results are the full results of age groups and the other categories are online and at the time we we're recording this podcast we're still waiting for results from the 100 meter and the team relay only the 3k and the 15k have taken place at this point
1: and, and also, um, what else is happening is the Spartan World Championships are um, are on, but we don't have any results for that either.
0: Hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a look for next episode and we'll fill yeah. everyone in for the news on that in the next podcast. Shall we cut
1: to our interview with Martin?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Welcome, Martin. Thank you. Um, nice to be here. Yes. Yeah, so We've got a few questions for you, actually. You're involved in a few aspects of OCR. Um, but I was thinking before we get into your your endeavours in OCR to learn a little bit about your background. Um, I know you did athletics. You've come from that background.
2: Yes. I, I suppose a short history around me was um, always been sports orientated from a young kid all the way through. So. Did a lot of team sports growing up from um, being made to play soccer for two years before I was allowed to play rugby. That was dad's rule. Um, Cricket, basketball, um, hockey, um, league, um, tennis, gymnastics. So I did quite a lot of stuff as a young kid. And then I suppose just when I was starting to really enjoy rugby, I sort of came to the realisation that My size wasn't suiting the forward packs of New Zealand back in those days. I was small but very fast and could read the game quite well, so um, I decided that I'd move into running. So I transitioned. I did a year of running and rugby. So Saturday mornings I'd go out do an eight-mile run, then go play 80 minutes of rugby in the afternoon. Um, Depending on the intensity of the game, the last 10 minutes was sometimes a bit of a challenge. And then after a year, I just—that was when I decided, okay, I'm not sort of going to get to the All Black level because they're not picking guys like they want a big forwards, not small forwards. And so I just stepped into running, and it, it grew from there. And being in the Air Force, um, you know, sports is a big part of life in the in the services. So running became my main priority, and it um, eventually led to joining. Running clubs in Christchurch and then eventually Auckland, and a short stint in Parapurumu with Captain Harry is there. But um, I was what you'd call a late bloomer for running because most kids start their running careers as 13 or younger. And then as they get to 17, 18, the boys will either find alcohol and girls or they'll keep going. So, <laughs> I was a sort of a late starter, so I was behind the ball, but um, I still managed to get a good 20-plus years of competitive running into me, and towards the end of that, um, Spartan appeared, and I was in Australia at the time. Um, spent 22 years in Australia and Brisbane. And so I thought, well, oh, that sounds like a good thing to do, because by then I'd sort of left aviation and I was in the fitness industry. And it sort of gelled with me the fact that, you, know, you can go um, do gym work and go and run and combine them in an obstacle course running. So um, I got hooked on that through Spartan, and I did about five events over there, plus a Tough Mother, which, yeah, I mean, Tough Mother was good, but <coughs> it wasn't tough enough, really. It was, it was a lot of mud. Mm-hmm. Um, the obstacles were, were good. Um, I've got no idea why you have to try and run through electrical charges. Um, its uh, I did get zapped a couple of times and they hit me on the bone and boy, they were painful. Um, I wasn't worried about it, but it was, it was just, not, just not nice. No. <laughs> uh, so um, then I thought, no, I quite like the um, combining of gym work and running and um So when I came back to New Zealand about five years ago, uh, there wasn't much happening in New Zealand. I think um, at the time, Spartan were promising to come over. They tried a couple of times. They did eventually get over, but it sort of took a while. I don't know what the hurdles were. I think it's more the logistics they would have had getting over. Um, And... I was sort of keen because there was nothing down round our way down here in Wanaka that sort of offered that sort of opportunity. Um, And I I sort of, in the process of setting up, that's when I found out about Greg later with um, Warrior Warriors. I had a chat with him and a talk and um, I was quite surprised. I mean, he'd been running for about four years by then, um, five Mm -hmm. years. So... He did explain sort of getting that up and running would take quite some time, and he, he's right. Um, and in, in the current situation we have with all these lockdowns, it's it's proving a real challenge to get anything new up and running because of uncertainty around whether events will go ahead or not. But um, but I was definitely sold on the on getting obstacle course running happening down here with an event of some sorts, and then of course lo and behold, bump into Max on the um, interweb (laughs) and um, eventually, I think think it was uh, was about November last year, I think Mm -hmm. Max sort of put a thing up on Facebook um, hinting about starting an association and um, I I quickly jumped on that and it snowballed and I think early -hmm. early this year we had enough to sort of get a committee and we got the ball rolling. And um, now we're, we've got an association in New Zealand to help grow and foster athletes in the world of obstacle course running. So um, it's, it's, it's still a challenge for me because I, I still enjoy running and doing that. But with um, age, as you know, Steve, um, you're know, I was keen to go out on wet, cold, windy days um unless unless there's a good reason to do it, like a competition. Um I definitely find winters very hard in my body. Um I find it very hard to with the circulation issues to get out there and run, but I still do it. It's it's a real challenge. Um so that's sort of it in a nutshell with that. Um I enjoy what I did with running. I had some good successes. I was down below 32 minutes for 10K. I didn't quite break the 71-minute barrier for half marathons, but um, I was there. But in terms of being elite, I was probably about three or four minutes off that sort of um, level. And when when I look at athletes who purely concentrate on running, I almost feel sorry for them now because I feel – like any sport, if you do it regularly it becomes institutionalised and your body adapts and eventually you start looking, look at top runners, they're they're like sardines and I didn't want to sort of get to that stage and I had lots of friends who were (coughs) obsessed with running um, and it was always mileage, mileage, mileage and if they missed out they were always trying to find out ways to sort of make up for what they lost whereas I was sort of the opposite I didn't let it worry me, I said actually the body actually needs a rest so I'd for years, I said I took a day off, and um, I think that's what got me through my running career with very few injuries at all compared to some of my mates. Um, of course, come to obstacle running, well, you, know, you never know what you're going to get, and I've I've rolled my ankle, I've pulled pulled muscles, <laughs> um, but you sort of expect that, and um, it's sort of like a uh, a bit of pride you wear it if you, you completed it, but. You completed it with a um, ankle twice the size of the other one, or <clears throat> an arm that you can't lift above your shoulder because you've you've wrenched it from doing all your crawls and hauling yourself up fences. So um, I think that's what makes obstacle course running so attractive to me. It, it challenges you a lot more mentally and physically, um, and overall, I think it it makes people. Um, Understand their bodies a bit more and, and the limits they can go to. So before I start getting lost in and more talk like that, I'll I'll stop that and um, we'll head to what other questions you might have about me.
0: Yeah, it's good. I mean, feel free to keep talking about it. What we want to hear about. <laughs> um, yeah, for questions, I guess. So uh, your event, the Wanaka Dash. So what what year is it now? Is it the second?
2: Uh, Second this, time. This this would have been the third year. Um, yeah. My first go at sort of gauging whether it would work was probably in 2017, um, and I did a ver- I did a very short course out at Waterfall Creek. It was basically a 400 metre circuit, um, which had them run about waist deep in the lake for about 50 metres, then I'd come up a slight hill. Do a crawl then they come back to the main area at the start where there were there were eight stations and they're all numbered so I'd start the people on that station they wouldn't do it they say well, yeah, this is where when you come back you're going to be doing this exercise and then do a loop come back do the next exercise and move round so it was um a bit like what obstacle fits basically going to do if you'd heard outdoors where you'd be running about 400 meters do Um, And that that went over quite well. So then I had to sort of um, try and find somewhere where I could hold it. And that was the hard thing, locating a landowner that would um, be obliging. And I eventually did in late 2018 with John McRae out at Glendue Bay Station. And at that time, he was starting to look for other ways to run the farm rather than as a farm, because he said to me, he says, you spend 100000 to make 30000 on a farm. So um, he had his wedding venue, but he was um, looking at other events. So he had the Toki Toki Festival every two years. And then he managed to start building a mountain bike trail for Bike Wanaka. So he's got a, a um, quite a good bike trail, several different lengths and... Um, difficulties of degree running out there, and he was quite keen for my event to become part of his um, setup out there, and then he was looking for a third one, and that naturally came around with the, with, um, the pressure on Challenge Wanaka with the triathlon. A lot of folk would complain about the town being shut down and blocked, so it's moved out there. So he's he sort of got the three once, and now he wants to sort of build those so that um, it becomes a destination for sort of sporting events. Um, that's his idea. So he may eventually grow it to others. Um, my case, I mean, two thousand and nineteen. It was the first year, and it was a it was a nervous thing because there was very little money to go, in and put in a huge amount of technical obstacles. And it was a large single loop that um, we set up. And probably the the hardest one there was probably things like the bucket carry. There were a lot of short water runs, um, tyre squats, um, tyre drags, concrete block drag, and a number of crawls. Um, And, of course, I I think the bulk of the people who came were sort of first-timers to it. They were quite keen to do something new. And, yeah, I didn't get it right. And the feedback, I was expecting a lot of bad feedback, but bad feedback to me is good feedback. It showed me um, where I had to improve. And so um, I set about improving that and of course, COVID completely destroyed in 2019. Oh, sorry, 2020. Yeah. Um, so that's when getting in with um, Max and starting the um, association here in New Zealand, um, we sort of got a lot of good ideas and work from Ian um, from FISO. And from that, I sort of took on some of their ideas to redesign and redevelop the course so that it would sort of mimic how they run their courses and the number of obstacles they have. And then I was able to start looking at doing a combination of technical and non-technical ones so that you could still get a lot of people who are new to it and wouldn't be put off by having everything being too technical.
0: So you are going to – I know you've talked about bringing in – internationally from FISO they got this idea of a, a clover leaf mm. shape for a course. Is that something you are going to be introducing to the Wanaka Dash?
2: Yes, well, it was set up for this year. The, um, okay. I, put, I put the map out and there were basically three out and back legs that sort of brought everybody back to the start area so that they could see them doing um, one, two, three, four or five obstacles right in front of them. Um, and if they wanted to see some others, they could sort of walk up to the top of the um, course and see some of the other ones. So the back part of the course, out the back, there are there are less obstacles going to get placed out there. There'd be a long crawl, um, probably a, a bit of a water run and a tyre gauntlet, which instead of being on flat, is going to put on an uphill slope to make it harder to lift your knees higher and, and run up through the tyres.
0: Mm, nice.
2: And... Um, also, there was going to be a short set of um, my version of monkey bars, which was going to be two bars parallel to each other with rather thick dowel, each side of the um, hundred by hundreds. So, and it was over water, so would be uh. doing, that, doing that over water. But it was only going to be about four point eight meters long. So, with the <clears throat> natural sort of swing with an arm, it worked out you're only probably going to have about six handles to sort of grab hold of um, okay. but at least it was going to give them a bit of a challenge and if they slipped they just land in the water which would either be I think one end was about me deep the other would have been about waist deep. Um, that sounds cool. And then the rest of it was uh, just running through a bit of thick bush and then coming back up onto the top plateau um, where there were two 1.2 metre wall climbs, so they're easy to sort of vault over. Um, The concrete drag was up there as well. Um, And the other ones on the third and final loop you would have had the inverted wall climb. um, Under overs and a balance walk and then you'd come back down to the main area and the obstacle there was a platform that To finish, you run over the top, but the others will be crawling underneath while they're heading out to do the last loop. Mm. That was the idea of the, uh, and the other one was just using Toblerones. so that when they started, they'd jump Toblerones. When they come back, they'd crawl through it to head back out to the other cloverleaf. And the other big obstacle they had back at the start-finish line was going to be the 2.4 metre wall climb. nice. uh, I was getting, I was pretty pumped about it and excited, but um, yeah, this, this lockdown, I was supposed to start building them in September, at the start of September, <laughs> nothing for four weeks, and then of course all the building supply shortages start to pop up, and I'm going, I need a lot of that ply, and I don't think there's going to be much ply around to sort of <laughs> build what I want, so a big challenge.
1: So from that, I'm taking it that the, the chances of Wanaka Dash going ahead this year is going to be very slim?
2: Yes, um, unfortunately, um, I mean our, the entries have basically dried up. Although I got a team of three into this afternoon, so um, okay. we're still we're still looking at it's still under 50 at the moment, and it's just not viable.
1: Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, uh, it has to be at least another 150 to make it viable I mean, <clears sure throat> in a short space of time. Um, I think that'd be a big ask. It could be a miracle, but um, yeah. If we jump to level one this week for everybody, you know, there were inquiries from Orkin asking, and I said, Yes, you can, but you can't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 It is Uh, something. So if you did get the numbers, you would go ahead under level two. It's still uh, operational. Level level
2: two two is still hard because they're still asking you for 100 people. Um, Mm. I think even with outdoors, although being an obstacle and having staggered starts. As long as you didn't have them all staying hanging around afterwards, yeah, that's
1: been you the issue probably the... could
2: you, you probably could handle it, but that's just the issue. So, um, yeah. uh, I think my waves are waves of forty, so it, it would have been okay. Um, it's just how people would feel comfortable wise around that. I mean, some people just aren't comfortable these days at all getting close yeah. to anybody, whereas others don't seem to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be challenging for any sort of event between now and the end of the year, I believe. And I know there's people that are already booked to go to concerts, and I, they haven't said they're cancelled yet. But we know for sure they're not going to go ahead because mm-hmm. some of these groups that are coming down from the states. We're going to do Australia and New Zealand. Well, they can't get into Australia, so they wouldn't come to New Zealand because it just wouldn't be financially viable.
1: And the chances of getting into New Zealand are getting very, very slim. Um, Me and my wife have been trying to get MIQ. We'd like to go back to Oz for for Christmas, but I don't know if you've seen the news the other day, but uh, 3,000 spots and 36,000 people put in for it. So
2: Yeah, I think they're underestimating and I don't think they have got it right, but how can you get it right is, is sort of hard to say. The... If you know it's going to be around for a long time, I think the only solution would be for the government to do what they've done in Australia and actually build dedicated facilities that can actually cope with more people. Yeah, um, and have them out of have them out of the cities a little bit, so that we're not going to be an issue like some of the hotels have been, where the people escape and then all transmission jumps or whatever. So, um, yeah, challenging times for them. And as I say. It'd be very disheartening for a lot of the Kiwis who are still trying to get home because of COVID. And as you say, it's it's still a lottery. At least they don't have to sit there and sit there. Yeah. They know to go there and go and just wait. So, yeah.
1: Yep, it's uh, it's going to be around for a little while longer, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. So, getting back to some of your obstacle Of course, you did Spartan in Australia. Did you? Have you done other? obstacle courses here in New Zealand or any other overseas ones?
2: No, the only, well, so I said, I did Tough Mother in Brisbane as well. Did that with a group of guys and it was great fun. I enjoyed getting muddy and crawling through stuff like that. And um, I think the only technical one I avoided was the ski ramp. We had to run and get up this big curve thing. And I thought, I've got a marathon in France in two weeks' time. I don't want to run up there and do a hamstring or something while I'm... So that was the only one I avoided, just for the fact that I didn't want to get myself injured. Um, but I did get up to Warrior Warriors and Nelson this year. Um, and even though they only had the one distance and they came close to cancelling, um, I'm glad I went ahead because the experience was great. I says this is a typical New Zealand... Running conditions that you couldn't get in any other country. They were difficult, and I mean, I've yeah. done a few in Australia, but the terrain was never nowhere as difficult and steep as what um, yeah. they had up there in Nelson. And I must admit, when that central area where all the all the obstacles or the main obstacles were located, um, that was very energy zapping. <laughs> very energy zapping. Um, I was sort of looking for a, a longer run to sort of get a bit of a recovery, but um but I think that's what made it um even better um I would have hated to have seen what the climb was for the um the twelve k they normally have as well um because that climb they had for the um first part that was it was pretty monstrous it was pretty tough on my body anyway um, but yeah, as I say, I think they've got it right there it's Definitely, uh, what you'd call in um, New Zealand, it's got its own unique standpoint for New Zealand. Yeah. I think the only thing I found that if they were to have that as a a um, a big billing race, like something like UA, I think they would have to sort of negate that um, channel run because it was single file; you couldn't pass anybody. So if you got stuck there, by the time you got out the end. um, like I did, um, everybody was gone. They were off with the bags and up over the hill and (laughs) and gone. Um, But yeah, for for the rest of it, I reckon the course was pretty up there. And I'd say that's the sort of standard of toughness and um, technicalities that you need if you're going to want to sort of um, qualify for something overseas. It needs to be of that extent because I I think you will find them overseas. There'll be some um, countries that can put on similar style uh, terrain that makes it extremely hard on the body um, from the running side and not just the the, um, obstacle side. Um, I think when you get a course that tests people's running and stamina with strength and everything, I think that's when you sort of get it right. Um, I think a lot of courses we may get in the early days here. When we get more on, will be a mix of uh, like UA um, running wise, but not, not as hard um, or as challenging. But the obstacles, I think you said, there are a mix. They Some didn't find them too difficult either. So I think getting that combination right is where you'll be able to. The associations will be able to sort of decide. Okay, we're going to use those for qualifying because it meets a certain level of um difficulty with running and a certain level of difficulty with the obstacles you can't just have one or the other and say you can qualify using that because you might get to that world event and the train absolutely stuffs you but you've been doing easy running courses so um
0: Mm. especially in new zealand such a shame not to use all the the hills and the trails and the the rugged terrain that we have in New Zealand it's yeah awesome for obstacle races to incorporate the the big hill climbs and the technical tracks and as well as the yeah. obstacles um, yeah a true. does a good job of that
2: yeah and uh, I sort of came across that especially in the Air Force when we used to go to um, services and then into services cross countries they picked farms that had testing hills and climbs and everything there were very few that were flat or if they were, they had a hill that was a monster in the middle that would stuff you anyway so that you'd have just enough time to recover to come around and have to go up the hill again and get buggered again before <laughs> you came back down. So, um, yeah, uh, you, you, you're definitely right. We do have the terrain that could make some make for some great, great um, courses, whether it's adventure running, as you say, or whatever. Mm.
1: So have you dabbled in adventure races or have you been in that part of the...
2: No, and I think in my late stage life now, I don't think I'd actually um, survive one. <laughs> um, I think now even the thought of doing a marathon would be um, extremely hard. And I think that's that's just the nature of um, life as you get on. And, and also... When you live in an area where you don't have much in the scene for that sort of sport, for running, you only have one or two a year, and you go, okay, if I've got to keep this up, then I've got to either go up to Christchurch, go up there, or, or fly up to North Island. And, and I mean, that can become a bit bit of an expense, really, these days. Um, so.
1: When and if you're allowed to fly.
2: that's <laughs> right. Yeah, if you can fly. It yeah I think you'll still. they'll be they'll be doing um, swabs if you're going to go between um, regions just to make sure you're not carrying anything there. so um, but uh, but then again they've struggled too. Um, that's why flights are fewer, so air fares have gone up, and when they do open up internationally, you'll be fewer flying because the fares will be extremely high as well. so.
1: And, and and on that too, like I, I think um, the international flights or business flights and all that will dry up a lot more because people now realise that you can do just as well and a lot of your business stuff, um, we the people we deal with and we've got in that share the offices with us, they, they are international, they're called Remarkable Foods. They buy food products from all over the world and it's one of the things David said is there's no more going on three and five week. Uh, Flying around Mm -hmm. Asia and the United States, buying stuff, he knows he can do it really well on online. So I think flights are going to take a long time before they ever get back in. I don't think they'll ever get back as as a business sort of flights.
2: No, currently had. Yeah, and they they were the backbone of um, allowing people to get the cheaper flights and cattle class.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
2: We might all all be wrong. (laughs) Yeah. No. We'll wait and see. Mm.
1: So, uh, what other questions
0: did we have? Yeah, I was wanting to ask about um, well the we or a Warrior. I went and did that as well with you and it was an awesome experience. Yeah. But it was brutal, thirty burpees for failing obstacles. That was brutal. <laughs> uh, enough Spartan style penalty. It was brutal um,
2: enough doing fifteen for not being an elite runner. <laughs> oh, <was it?
0: laughs> Uh, but what, what's the penalty at Wanaka Is there an obstacle, a failure penalty?
2: Oh, not at this stage because I think that the feedback I got that sort of put off a lot of the newbies and grassroots people, it, they didn't mm. want to sort of have to do a um, penalty. I think eventually if it sort of gets incorporated into the event, it'll be because I've separated it and you have an elite field who goes separately and like they did at UA, they will be under those rules where there'll be penalties if they don't do, um, or if they fail or whatever. Um, so people have a choice. They can decide whether they want to compete in the elite field or they can just join in the, um, the general public space and have just go and have fun and enjoy themselves and learn, learn how to do obstacles as part of a team and then decide, oh, I could do this on my own, or no, I prefer teams. Um, and, and I think as we were discussing uh, the other night I think that could be the backbone of building the sport in New Zealand, encouraging teams, uh, which is what I'm doing with the Wanaka Dash, I've been encouraging people to enter as a team so they can have more fun, I tell them you're allowed to help each other at the obstacles um, and and no penalties So um,
1: that, that certainly was a big factor at UA I think, wasn't it Max, that the there's a fair few there seemed to be more teams, uh people in the teams events it than in just the, the elites or the normal open
0: waves. There did seem to be a large amount of team participation. Right, a few teams, yeah. But obstacle yeah. racing in general it's just uh, it's so fun to do with others. It's so
2: I know like I've, I've done
0: them. <laughs> so, like, yeah, <laughs> I've done them
2: on my own, done them on my own, and you sort of look at the others all having fun, you're going, I'm oh, shit, and you come to this obstacle and going. if I was with a team, be able to help me with this one. (laughs) So you you have a go and you stuff yourself, you get over and go, holy hell, I've used a lot of energy now, I've got to recover for the next one. But um, as I I watched the sport grow in Australia, because initially it was only down in Melbourne, so you'd have to travel down to Melbourne to do it. Then it sort of came up to Sydney, um, and then finally they came up to Brisbane. And I think the first time... I did that one with them. I think there was somewhere between somewhere between two and four thousand doing it. Mm, um, these were the Spartan races. Yeah, the Spartan race. And by the time I'd done three more out there, the, the numbers had grown to about six thousand plus. So
1: so uh, which one was
2: this, this? This was um I've done the sprint twice, I've done the super twice, and I've done the beast once.
1: I oh, know which which race the, the Sunshine Coast or the no, this,
2: this was the one they held in, at the back of Brisbane round towards Amberley.
1: Oh, okay. Yep. Um, yep. Um,
2: yeah, and they sent up a, they would always set up a tent city too. So if you didn't have accommodation, you could actually pay to stay there in the tents, which was um, why I liked picking Glendu Bay. You got the motor camp right across the road. So okay. if you wanted yep. to stay close, they could have somewhere cheap and close to go to. Well,
1: we did um, last year. We had a camper van and everything could. And- and <laughs> it all
2: got cancelled. Yeah. Um, and, and what I noticed was the, the type of people doing Spartan at that stage then was there were a large amount of females, but also large amounts of teams more than more than individuals. Uh, so I sort of managed to con um, a mate, into, so we sort of do it as teams. Um, but... It, some of the some of the marshals are quite good, so that where it's something like the Herculean hoist, which you look at it, the kettlebell and you go, "Oh, that's only 28 kilos. That's going to be easy to hoist." But when you are hoisting it vertically through probably close to 15 meters, it's more. Than, it feels like it's more than 100 kilos. And to get it started, there's nothing to help you get it started. Like the first year, there was a knot, so you could use the knot. But then after that, you just sort of once you got it past head height, it was fine. But to get it past head height, you use so much energy and strength. Um, so when I was struggling, there I looked at this guy who was single, and says, uh, we sort of looked at each other. And the marshal said, Look, "If you're part of a team, you can help each other." So I said to him, "We're part of a team, okay?" <laughs> so we we both helped each other hoist it up, and then we carried on. So um, I think that's I think that's what is making it so big that they have so many teams competing and the number of individuals um, are, as you say, probably just the elite runners um, who are quite happy and, and capable of going out and doing it on their own. I yeah. have
1: to admit, one of the best Spartans I did was the Melbourne uh, Stadium one in, Mel- in the MCG.
2: Oh, and yes. I did that
1: with friends and, and, and that was good because it was just loops. They had a, nearly all the obstacles were around the centre area. And you just ran out and do a little thing. Some of the carries were a bit further away, but it was really a team building one. There's a couple of walls where you needed to be in a team right, um, to get over. Yeah, um, They were women 12, 14 foot high, so you needed a team to get. <laughs> um.
2: Yeah, I think, they, I think they did actually have one in Brisbane. I never, never went to it. They were setting up at Suncorp. Um, and I think the intense part with those type of events is the last 300 metres is they have obstacle after obstacle after obstacle and it just smashes you as you're coming you're you coming to the finish and in the last 300 metres you've got to do I don't know four or five maybe six obstacles which are upper body strength and you just sort of yeah yep, yeah pretty this amazing five
1: or six in the last 200 metres in the one I did in Melbourne yeah yeah. There was a cargo net and then there was a wall and then there was a crawl and the spear throw
2: <laughs> oh.
1: and the monkey bars were all yeah. these I, little I, loops you did
2: and come back. Tell you what, those cargo nets weigh a ton. I think when we first came across them, when they finally added them to the Brisbane events, um, we got into a... um when I came to it, I tried to lift it. Holy hell, this, you've got to get under this and crawl through it. But by then, others arrived, and we worked out a tunnelling system. So the first person went in with the head down, shoulders, and sort of bent over, and you'd go between his legs, stand up, and the next person. So you got through that way. So I'd hate to think how the um, elites managed to lift it. You, you would have had to have crawled flat on the ground and had your head down so you do not rip your hair out. And, um, and they had two of them. No, at one stage, there were three. One after the other, it was about 10 metres between each one, in a little triangle. You had to go through through three cargo nets, and um, yeah, the energy doing that. I thought, oh, this will be easy, but mm, no. So they've, they've worked it out well.
0: I think one of the best things about OCR, in my opinion, is those moments you were just talking about, where you know the cargo net, and then what we were talking about before, uh, was the Hercules hoist, where someone yeah. came along, and you're like, we're in a team. But those, those, those moments where you just connect with someone out on the course, um, you know, to overcome obstacles, or they help you, or you help them, or you have that little bonding moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, those, that, those little, like, snapshots of...
2: Yeah, and I think on the, the course is awesome. That's another big plus that I've taken from Spartan. It's the... It's about the camaraderie. And they say, if you see someone out there struggling, you can stop and help them. Mm. I mean, the elites probably don't. They probably just go through so fast; they just sort of it, it doesn't occur to them.
0: You're not allowed but, to be elites. Yeah, but,
2: but for, <laughs> you have for, to be Yeah, for, for the general Joe blogs, it's um, yeah, it's about helping your fellow athlete if they're struggling, and that, that's the other key one I put put in my event as well. If you're an individual and struggling, you know, keep an eye out for someone who. Is struggling and, and,
0: and help them. Yeah. yeah. I know, yeah. Like, what I reckon would be cool to see is more um like Tough Mudder style obstacles come to events as well. Like Tough Mudder how they got the uh oh I can't remember any of the names of them, but there's uh the half pipe that you run up, but the yeah. top of the half pipe is curved. So you, you can't actually run up and grab it. No, you so gotta what you need you to do run is up and jump to and up the top. <laughs> and that you have to run up and grab someone's hand.
2: It's, well, um, if you're the first person there, you've got to get up there yourself, so you've got to yeah, run run constant. and leap and grab and pull yourself <laughs> yeah.
0: up. I think that one does sort of rely... Oh, yeah, I guess some of the Tough Mudder ones rely on constant numbers, is the problem. <clears throat> not not work on other events. Yeah,
2: and um, like a, few they
0: have,
2: a few others, like they had a, a um, big climbing wall, so you climbed up the wall, but when you got to the top, you had to jump down to a, a water pit, which was even further down than the climbers on the other side. So you get up there and you sort of have a few minutes going oh shit keep my head around this then you go oh, okay just jump um, and it's just that height thing because you're standing it's like when you're on the roof of the house when you look up it's not that high but when you stand on the roof you go oh shit it's actually higher than I thought it's just an optical illusion and the brain plays with it and another one they had was um, sort of channels with um, bars over them and You actually had to go on backwards and lie in the water and crawl yourself along. And people who have anything like claustrophobia or fear of closed spaces, that is a real tough one to get over. Um, And dark tunnels with muddy water, you you sort of, it's half full, so you've got to sort of almost go under before you sort of get up and then you go, okay, where's the light? Oh, there it is, because it actually bends up. Um, I think they did one with a 90-degree bend that went in did a right hand turn, then did a left hand turn, so you're in pitch black for you know almost half of the thing going where the hell am I going? Um, so
1: some of them I don't know how they'd get away, get away nowadays. I can remember doing a couple, and one of the worst ones was it was a sewage pipe, and I don't know, <laughs> know, 400 meters, my shoulders were touching both sides of it, and you had to swim through it, it was completely underwater for um. I don't
2: know.
1: Six meters, five
2: yeah.
1: meters. Yeah. Um. And it, and then they had the same pipe, but it was in a a, a zigzaggy shape, and they yeah. had holes drilled in it, and they were pumping <laughs> like, pumping smoke in there. And their smoking oh. generator was uh, a little Honda generator <laughs> that had a pipe exhaust pipe run into it, and they were putting dripping oil oh. onto that. That was their smoke okay. generator.
2: How can you breathe? I can't see. I can't breathe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're, no, you're right. Um, I, was, I was just trying to think of one other one they did there at Tough Mother. that I thought you sort of really couldn't do these days for some things. But,
0: yeah, police um, safety's moved on.
2: I think that, think that electric shock, yeah, I think that safety reasons they might. <laughs> they still
0: <laughs> use it, though. Well, tough, like it. tough Girl does. Yeah, I, I tough tell you Guy what, and Girl has electric shocks, yeah. I well, they, what, they don't go off anywhere near as often as Tough Mother. Yeah. Like no, I, yeah, I go through the Tough Guy and Girl things and don't get shocked. Uh, yeah, going some, tough Mudder, I think, it's, I think it's
2: just it's luck tough. because I, they can only have certain ones on because some of them can be so dense that if you had them all switched on, it'd be like getting tasered. You'd actually freeze and sit there again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. There's
0: a, there's a new Tough motor one I haven't done. I don't know when it came out. I've just seen videos online. Um, it'd be really cool outside of a Tough motor context, actually, like maybe for the dash. But it's like a sloped pyramid along a long wooden structure slope pyramid it's on springs so it wobbles back and forth Um, but you get two people one on either side and you have to traverse along it but there's no handholds so your feet are on it and the only way to go is to hold the hands of someone else and (laughs) you need to move at the same time if you move out of order you know it wobbles too much and you fall off so you got to work with someone and do teamwork the whole way along this thing uh so, it looks like, awesome like i think it's a perfect obstacle where it's it's physically hard and it makes you do teamwork and you know if it, if you're in a team it's good or it makes you connect with a random stranger and mm-hmm. yeah just looking so at the need, youtube videos on that it's awesome so do, they,
2: do they need a person on each side of it do they so to stop it
0: yeah yeah right. yeah, yeah you can't yeah one person would can't do it on yeah, so you got to balance the weight as well so if you uh, lean too far one way you'd fall off okay um if you moved at the wrong time it'll wobble too much and you let go of your hands, you both fall off, and yeah, it's it's a really good obstacle design.
2: Maybe we're going to find people who try to build obstacles that actually make people fail. They'll be looking for, okay, that wasn't hard enough. How can we make them fail? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it would be good. I mean, with um, hopefully with next year, I've got to sort of have have another chat with QLDC here because of consent. I've lost two years of my three-year consent. So I might sort of have to plead, am I able to sort of get that given back to me in, in kind or, or is that a, I've lost it, now you have to reapply and get your consent all over again?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, because I know they, there's certain things they don't tell you and I found out a year after I did mine that if you have less than 500 in your event, you don't actually need a consent. you going, why don't they tell me that? Um, so you find these things out you know later on. Um, it didn't worry me because I think doing it that way, I feel is right. I think you should have the consent regardless um, and I'll go through that process next year, and I can probably look at applying through them again. they have a funding thing that you can use that purely just to get things like consent, yep. and that might that might cover that um. That process again like I, I managed to get so um, I'll be chasing it up probably towards the end of this year um, so once be,
0: We'll be back for next year
2: Yeah um, I, if I'm, you
0: Go ahead this year or even if you have to cancel this year You'll yeah. be back next year no matter
2: what Yeah I'm, I'm looking at it I'd, I'd like to sort of bring in changes so that we have a definite kids um, wave they might do, say, maybe one or two of the clover leaves rather than the full 5K, um, depending on their age and that. Um, you might say, right, kids under this age, were are just doing the first clover leaf, the next age group can do two, and anyone, say, probably from 15 to 17 can do, do the three. Um, I'd like to see if I could probably also develop a... 100 meter there's plenty of space for it there and just have it as a demo and say anybody wants to have a have a guard doing 100 meters um throw a gold coin in the cap over there and away you go Uh, uh,
0: to make it more obstacle dense uh, back to back
2: yeah just make it quite dense um
0: Mm, i love to see that i love for the, the short course ocr to come to new zealand
2: and i think that way you might it might sort of help attract another type of athlete as ian says it would be sprinters
0: mm. and me yeah. coming from uh parkour when i was young like yeah. you get parkour people who of a 5k is just yeah. ridiculous yeah. Like, <laughs> but but 100 meters you know dense obstacles like you get those sort of people or you get sprinters or you may get i don't know gymnasts or something who yeah. they they know how to use their body on on obstacles but they they can't run but yeah. a short course might appeal to those sort of people or CrossFitters, you know, CrossFitters who. Explosive hate money. but short, yeah, short, <laughs> yeah. short endurance. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, lots of options to sort of think about. And um, I suppose the first process will be looking at the consent and, and what will be involved. I think if I do it, I'll be probably looking for a 10 year one this time rather than three years. Um, and Hopefully, eventually, if it does get up and running, I can then sort of pass it on to someone who's keen to sort of carry it on, and I can sort of step back and go um, okay i'll I'll help I'll consult and do that and focus more on sort of building the um, the athletes in the association trying to um, get more grassroots in and encourage people that it, it's not it's not hard. It can be fun and just like any sport, you'll have the serious people but you'll have the ones who are there basically just for the experience and, and to say, look, I did this, why don't you come and do this and they challenge their mates and they get more people come in as teams. Uh, it'll be a slow process and it always will be with a sport. I think um, Greg pointed that out to me prior to me starting doing the Wanaka Dash. He says... It, it's a slow process. It's taken them, it took them that four to six years to get to where they were um, and to the level they're doing.
1: So, Martin, well, thank you for that. Um, where can our listeners find you? What's your social media book of faces and all that sort of the, stuff?
2: The um, the Wanaka Titans page is sort of in on its own. It's, it's actually done through my main multi-peak fitness one, but you can set up separate accounts with Facebook. So if you just punch in Monica Titans, it'll come up and you'll be able to sort of um, catch up with what's happening there. It has been a bit quiet on there because I'm not sure what to put out there to tell people. It's just going, uh, what can you tell them? Because you're still holding out hope that, you know, something might happen and you don't want to sort of put a dampener in there to people going, oh, if that's going to happen, I won't enter. Um, So, We'll we'll just wait and see. But, yeah, they can check that out on, on the um, Monica Titans Facebook page.
1: Okay. Thank you very much for your time.
2: That's right, guys. Thank you very much.